Good morning, church family. I am Mark Gauthier, and I've got the privilege of serving as the pastor for mentoring and leadership development here. Earlier this week, somebody came up to me from the church and said, you know, this is a good place to be a pastor. And I said, you know it, brother. So delighted to be with you guys. This is a third part of a nine-part series called This Is Us. And as we go through these series, we're trying to understand what the DNA is of Lake City Community Church and really the church that we are striving to become. And the purpose of the series is to get us to relate and remind. If you're fairly new to the church, it's to, to relate to you what we're trying to be. And for those that have been here for a while, to remind you of what church is meant to be. First week, we talked about the vision, the vision and the mission of the church and Last week, we talked about relational environments, and I'm excited for this morning for folks online and folks here to talk about discipleship. Many of you have seen the 1991 movie City Slickers. In it, Mitch, a big city radio ad salesman, is nearing his 40s, and he's having that dreaded midlife crisis. And so he thinks just the thing that he needs to do is a cattle drive from all the way from New Mexico to Colorado, herding cattle with his two friends, Ed and Phil, who are also having midlife crises. And as they go along the drive, they meet this mythical character, Jack Palance, who's the cowboy named Curly. And Curly is teaching them about what life is all about. And one day he lifts up his finger and Mitch says, this is it, your index finger? And he goes, no, it's one thing. Well, what is it? You've got to figure it out. Well, the good news for us, church, is Jesus has figured this out for us already. It is making disciples. It is his one thing of what a church is meant to be all about. And when Jesus gathered these 11 disciples on the mountain of Galilee, he gave them this amazing mission that you could look at as something that seems overwhelmingly impossible. I had a friend once talk about the big, hairy, audacious goals, the BHAGs. And what Jesus has done, he has given these 11 and all after them a big, hairy, audacious goal. And we have it in the scriptures in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Here now as I read to us God's word. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That was Jesus's one thing, his big, hairy, audacious goal. And anybody who calls himself a disciple of Jesus needs to be about this mission as well. And when you think about what is the reason and the purpose of the church, the reason and the purpose of the church is to make disciples. Two weeks ago, Randy Madsen, the chairman of the Elder Board, talked about the mission of the church. And I'd like for us to look at that one more time. And I'd like for us, if we could read it together, our mission to advance God's kingdom by making fully devoted followers of Christ in Lakewood 
and the world. The target for our church, the bullseye, is making fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now notice it doesn't say comfortably content pew potatoes. It says fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And our goal is not 25%, it's not 50%, not 75%, but 100% of the folks who call this church their church to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And everything the church does ought to contribute to the question, does it help us make disciples? Now, we're going to spend much of our time looking at verse 19 and a part of verse 20, but I'd like to look at what comes before and what comes after it, because it is so important for us to know the resourcing that God gives us to be disciples. Now, making disciples are fully devoted followers of Jesus who help others become fully devoted followers. And and Jesus gives us an incredibly great claim. And there have been some really big BHAGs in our nation's history. You consider the Allied invasion of France during World War II or, or President Kennedy's commitment to put a man on the moon. All of the resources of our nation were behind being able to accomplish that mission. And just as our nation marshaled its resources, all of the resources of the Lord God Almighty are behind us when we endeavor to do what God has called us to do. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now that word all is an interesting word. Guess what it means? All. You are brilliant Bible scholars. Everybody. All authority has been given to Jesus. He reigns supreme. No one is greater than he. All the bucks of heaven and earth stop with Jesus. The inexhaustible, unlimited God who is all-powerful, wise, and good, God the Father has given authority to Jesus to accomplish the work that he wants to accomplish through us. Now, the result and underwriting of Jesus' sovereign authority to his disciples is that great commission. And when someone is commissioned, they're given a particular responsibility or role to accomplish a particular purpose or a particular task. When an officer in the military is commissioned, he actually and she actually is given a document that says, by the President of the United States of America. Now, a president has a lot of authority, but compared to the Lord God Almighty, it's just pocket change. We have all authority given through Jesus Christ. And when you think about a lot is expected of a disciple of Jesus Christ, we are called to take this message of the gospel, which really is a message to people that they are lost and they need to become found, that Jesus is the one who saves them from their sins and calls them to turn their life around. That's really a pretty audacious thing to tell people and say to them in this day and age. And it can be easily to feel overwhelmed by what God is commanding us to do. I can vouch from personal experience. And I have loved this statue that is a great reminder to me of what God is for us. This is a statue of Phillips Brooks, who was a great preacher of the latter half of the 19th century in Massachusetts. And notice, while he is doing his work, who is standing behind him? It's Jesus Christ. He's got his hand on his shoulder, he has got his back, present and enabling him in the work that God has given him to do. 
All authority from God the Father is given to God the Son so that you and I can move out in confident hope, doing the mission that God has given us, making fully devoted disciples who make fully devoted disciples. So maybe you could think of this statue slightly modified when you think about what God calls you to do. So just insert your face in this picture. He's got your back. Jesus has got your six when you step out in what he calls you to do. Hand is on your shoulder. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So not only does Jesus a great promise what he promises us to do, always to the end of the age. Now, practically speaking, how does that happen? Jesus rose from the dead. He made numerous appearances. He stayed around for about 80 days and up he went into heaven. But when Jesus went up, he sent the Holy Spirit down on the day of Pentecost. He said that he would send a helper to assist all Christians in the mission and the purpose that God has given us to do. And John Stott says it this way, without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. There can be no life without the life giver, no understanding without the spirit of truth. No fellowship without the unity of the Spirit. No Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit. No effectiveness without his power. As the body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the Spirit is dead. And the promise of his presence is to the very end of this age. And what that means to us, that Jesus' Spirit is present, empowering us, until the time when Christ returns again in power and in glory. So the one who has authority is always with us, and this backing and underwriting is given to everyone who steps out on the endeavor of being a disciple who seeks to make disciples. So knowing God has given us everything that we need as we do what he calls for us, the Great Commission. And as we think about the Great Commission, it's important for us to realize that these words have generational continuity. Every generation of disciples since those 11 folks are called to make disciples. And that applies to us and that will apply to every generation of believer until Christ returns. It is his one thing, his BHAG. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're not a, a grammar nerd, just bear with me a little bit as I explain this. I have a couple of things that are really important in this. In the Greek of the New Testament, make disciples is the only verb, and it's a command that is given to us. And then there are three different participles that support what that verb is about. Go, or better thought of as going or while you go, baptizing, and teaching them to observe all that I am commanding you to do. So the command to make disciples is fleshed out by these other parts of what it means to be disciples who make disciples. And so that means a disciple is a goer. They are ambassadors for Christ. They represent Jesus in places being his representative and his ambassador. That in the spheres of influence that God calls us, we are to prayerfully look for opportunities to represent Jesus Christ faithfully by our words and by our deeds. 
And baptism shows us that baptism is an essential step in being a disciple. And when we are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it shows the Father who has drawn us and adopted us. It shows Jesus who has died for us and forgiven us for our sins. And it shows the Spirit who has made us a new creation and dwells within us. And if you have not yet been baptized, we actually have a special baptism services coming up the weekend of November 20th and 21st. And I would encourage you to take that step of discipleship and be baptized. And then teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That is not just a data dump, but that is teaching with application in mind, heart transformation, learning to do the things that Jesus calls us to do. And we are to do this to all nations, all people groups. So those who are ambassadors, those who are disciples for Jesus Christ, ought to have a heart as a missionary. We ought to pray for missions, we ought to support missions, and we ought to go on missions if God calls us to do that. And I really had a neat conversation with a brother a couple of days ago. He said, you know, I really appreciate that LC3 is a missions-hearted church, but what I appreciate more is people from the church go and do missions themselves. He thought that was so great. Now, if someone were to ask you to, to define a fully devoted follower, a disciple, they are fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Those are folks that are trying to love, serve, and follow Jesus. That is the act of discipleship. And in the four Gospels in the book of Acts, disciple was a common word that was used. And this is really interesting that the word disciple or disciples in the Gospels in the New Testament appears 256 times. And you know the word Christian in the whole New Testament only appears three times. So our core identity is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And back in that day, a disciple was a student or learner who came under the tutelage of a rabbi or a teacher, and he would show them what to do. It wasn't a classroom with chalkboard, but it was walking along the way, doing life and learning through the teachable moments throughout the day of what it means to follow whomever that person is. Pastor and author Warren Wiersbe writes, perhaps the nearest thing we have to the word disciple is apprentice. Someone who lives with a master workman, watches him and learns from him and then puts what he learns into practice under the watchful eye of the teacher. What he learns, he is able to share with others because he has done it himself. So what does Jesus' command make disciples mean to us? A number of years ago, I heard retired Lieutenant General Van Antwerp, as he was once the commander of Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, he spoke to a bunch of brand new soldiers. And at the end of his talk, he asked, are there any questions? And a soldier shyly raised her hand and asked, sir, what does a general do? And he thought for a while and smiled and he says, well, generals, they do general stuff. So what does a disciple maker do? They do disciple maker stuff. Fully devoted followers who help make fully devoted followers. One person who is a little bit farther along walking with another one who may not be quite as far, helping them tweak and attune their lives so they're walking with Christ faithfully. 
And there's really three things that a disciple maker does. A disciple maker helps people find Jesus, he helps them follow Jesus, and he helps them more fully become like Jesus. So disciples help others find Jesus. When I was a baby Christian, I heard a lot about evangelism, but I didn't hear that much about discipleship. Welcome to the family of God. See you in heaven. You're kind of like, what do I do now? You see, the moment a person receives Jesus as their Lord and Savior, a disciple has been born, and that's a process for them now to grow in the grace of Jesus. Imagine you had your baby in labor and delivery, and a couple of days they let you loose, and you drove straight to the Amazon employment line, dropped off the baby, and said, kid, have a good life. A little bit of a premature process right there, don't you think? There's a lot of investment that goes to prepare that person for a fruitful life. And sometimes it seems like the church has kind of a catch and release program. But when someone finds Jesus, our mission is to help them continue to grow in all the days of their lives. If you had a surgeon, you would like him to be trained, right? If you had a mechanic to know how to fix your car, a soldier would like to know how to go to war. Right training and education is important. It's good you slept at Holiday Express, but not quite enough. I really like this definition of Dallas Willard on discipleship. He writes, the leading assumption in the American church is that we can be a Christian, but not a disciple. That has placed a tremendous burden on a mass of Christians who are not disciples. We tell them to come to church, participate in our programs, and give money. But we see a church that knows nothing of commitment. We have settled for the marginal so that we carry this awful burden of trying to motivate people to do what they don't want to do. We can't think about church the way that we have been doing it. And he continues, we need to clarify in our minds what discipleship is. My definition, a disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in their life is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. A disciple is not a person who has things under control or knows a lot of things. Disciples are simply people who are constantly revising their affairs to carry through on their decision to follow Jesus. So the next thing that disciples help others do is to follow Jesus. Thirteen times he called people and said, follow me. It was his invitation to discipleship. And the Apostle Paul, when he came on, he invited others to follow him by his example. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. And you might think that sounds a little bit arrogant, someone coming up to you and saying, follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. But it may be a better way to think about it. Follow me as I follow Jesus Christ with authenticity and with transparency. You might want to think about it as a recovering alcoholic with one year of sobriety, helping another alcoholic with just one month of sobriety. The more mature addict helping the less mature addict. Follow me as I follow Christ in the midst of my struggles and stumbles. Follow me as I realize Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, but yet struggle with so many distractions and sins. Walk alongside me as we prop and help and hold each other up to try to become disciples of Jesus. Oswald Chambers said, Our Lord had only one desire, and that desire was to do the will of his Father. And to have that desire is the characteristic of a disciple. 
Jesus said it was his food to do the will of the Father who sent him. He said, your will, Father, be done, not my own will. A disciple loves what the Father loves, and a disciple hates what the Father hates. And when Jesus charges his disciples, he wants them to make them people who are disciples helping others become fully like Jesus. In Luke 6.40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So the goal is to help others become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor and a theologian during Germany during the Third Reich and World War II, and he was a tremendous voice of courage and wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. He died for his faith just days before the war ended, and he said this powerful statement, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. And Jesus says that discipleship for us involves a form of death, a death to ourselves, our agenda, our desire to put ourselves in first place so Jesus and others can be in that place before us. And he says in Luke 14, 27, 33, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And the way that we grow as being disciples is Jesus' word coming into us and being a part of our very nature and heart. John 8.31, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And the way that we know that discipleship is happening as is as in a church, if there is love around us. John 13.35, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And we know discipleship is happening when we see fruitful lives taking place. John 15, 8. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. At this time now, I'd like to invite Debbie Lee to come on up and just share a little bit of what women's ministry is doing to contribute to the mission of discipleship at LC3. So let's please welcome Debbie. Thank you. Um, As Pastor Mark said, my name is Debbie Lee, and I'm the Director of Women's Ministry here. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about our discipleship um, program ministry called W2 Connect, where it partners two women together in a discipleship relationship. Um, Our theme verse is from 1 Thessalonians 2.8, and it says, Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And this verse really reflects the heart of W2 Connect, where we embrace the gospel of God, the good news, the life-changing gospel, his redemption, his grace, and the transformation that the word of God is in our lives. And we do that um, together, walking side by side with each other. So we we live this out in the discipleship relationship in W2 Connect. And as Pastor Mark said, you know, a a discipler is just someone who is a step ahead of the one that they are discipling. And that's the model that we follow in W2 Connect. We just ask that our, we call them mentors, that she's a step ahead of the person that she is discipling. Um, If you want to know more about this ministry, we are hosting three information sessions during all of the services next week. So go to one and then come to this session um, 
Two of the first two, the six o'clock on Saturday, nine o'clock on Sunday, will be in the conference room, just straight out those doors. And then the one at the 11 o'clock service will be in the gym. And just come find out um, more about this ministry, how to be a mentor, how to be mentored. And we'd love to, to share more with you there. So women, you're all invited to come to that. I'd love for you to watch this video um, from Andy and Jessica just talking about what W2 Connect has meant for them and how to love, serve, and follow Jesus better. So please watch this with me. Hi, my name is Andy. W2Connect has been so instrumental in my walk with Christ. Um, from my very first mentor who uh, I wasn't, I was having a hard time going to church on Sundays. My husband was deployed and she offered to come and pick me up every Sunday morning and take me to church. Um, that was huge. And then throughout the years, I've had women who have come alongside me and helped me see areas where I was believing lies and helped me replace those with the truths in God's word. Um, to even more recently having mentors who came alongside me um, when I was pregnant and just celebrated that season with me. And then um, when I ended up with postpartum depression after I had my baby, um, they came alongside me and supported me through that, brought me meals um, and just were there for me. And I knew that I could call on my mentor and she would just walk alongside me in that time of life. Um, it's been such a huge blessing to me. Hi, my name is Jessica Meyerberg, and we've attended Lake City Community Church for seven years. Um, about midway through, I really wanted to grow in my relationship with Christ, and I joined W2 Connect. Um, it's been a wonderful experience for me. I've gotten to walk alongside a woman who's just ahead enough in her journey in motherhood and homeschooling and um, her walk with the Lord to help me along and encourage me. And it looks like going on walks or going out for coffee, calling her when um, we are having a hard time and need prayer or just coming over and hugging my kids and loving us where we're at and folding socks. <laughs> so I'm so thankful for the way that um, W2 Connect has increased my um, growth in God, my trust in God, and my depth of relationship here at Lake City. Did you know that folding socks was an essential tool of discipleship? That's great. Maybe I'll fold some more socks now. We'll see. Women are such a wonderful gift to the Church of Jesus Christ. If the church were a train, it's usually the women who are the locomotive. If there's any life or vitality going on in a body, it's usually the women who are rolling up their sleeves and making it work. So, uh, ladies, we, the men of LC3, we salute you for all your faithful and hard work. Now, this is just really one example of intentional discipleship at LC3. Last, work, last week, Pastor Tome talked about the importance of the relational communities, and he said there were three essential components of a relational community, and the first one was discipleship. And we want LC3 to be a place where every ministry, all ages and life stages, are environments where we become fully devoted followers who develop fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And once again, Oswald Chambers says that our Lord's conception of discipleship is not that we work for God, but God works through us. 
in a church that does not have its, at its heart this one thing or this purpose is really a see-no-do-no church, a church in name only that really does nothing of kingdom significance. So considering these things, what are some next steps for us to think about? First is, I will become a disciple who makes disciples. If you go back to the thought of the church as a train image where women are often the locomotives, in many churches, men end up being the caboose. They're just kind of on the ride in the back part of it. And, and I've often wondered why often men who lean into leadership in the church sometimes are more the exception than they are the norm. And I'm hoping one initiative in our church that will help us get after that is a new discipleship study called Every Man a Warrior. At the end of uh, the last men's leadership class that Pastor Jim has taught so faithfully through the years, I felt a, a poke from the Lord, and that poke was, be intentional about discipleship. And I don't know if God kind of gives you one of those pokes, and you sort of go, what am I supposed to do with that? And as I thought and prayed about it, I remember taking a couple of groups through Every Man a Warrior, and so we invited the men's leadership class, and five took up the offer to go through it. And I'd like for them now to share briefly on a video of how Every Man a Warrior and Walking with God has helped them grow in their capacity to love, serve, and follow Jesus. So let's hear from these brothers. Before Every Man a Warrior, I was largely a passive consumer of the Word, trying to live a good Christian life. Other than giving to and praying for our missions, I did very little to make disciples of all nations. Now, with my toolbox well stocked, I find myself with the confidence to be an active disciple willing to spread the good news of the gospel. I still have a long way to go. However, I now have the knowledge and zeal to keep going forward and life's journey to Jesus. Thank the, um, you. Things that I really liked was that um, there was a, a quote here is uh, to fight and end well. And few Christian men end well. They start out with zeal for the things of God and then begin to coast. And um, I started to see that's what I was doing. So I love that challenge for me is to fight because we are in a spiritual warfare you know, assist them to it. And, and that's why I, I really appreciate what this book and um, the acronym is WAR. So there's worship, admit, and request. And um, so prayer for me is like, it's just not, oh, you know, you just start saying words. There's a system, there's a discipline to it. And uh, when you follow that um, acronym, you realize how deep your prayer life with God can be. Because you're worshiping God first, you're admitting your sin, and then your prayer request is last. And um, so those are some of the things that I really appreciated. And one day I want to teach him these skills. And um, so he's ready for the hard battle out there because it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. And um, but I, I'm grateful for uh, God's word um, and um, also for the men that I get to be with. So definitely a similar theme as to what, what Charlie and Sam have mentioned in their testimonies here. Um, Every Man a Warrior has been really helpful in 
I, I think shoring up any areas of weakness in in some of the foundational spiritual disciplines. Um, and for me, one that has been particularly helpful, uh, a habit that I actually stopped doing a few years ago that's been so sweet and rewarding to get back to has been meditating on scripture, um, specifically with, with pen in hand and uh, getting back into the discipline of, of journaling and sort of, of, of chewing on things well, um, writing down what are, you know thoughts and, and applications and prayers as a part of the um, as a part of an established quiet time. Um, and so that's just been, you know, one, one aspect of the, of the disciplines that we've been practicing and integrating. Um, but for me personally, that's been a really, um, I think foundational one in, and the, the reason is maybe obvious, but it really has helped me retain what I'm reading and, and apply it very specifically in a way that, you know, keeps it from, uh, just becoming head knowledge that um, there's a chance to sort of meditate on it well and get it from head from head to heart. So, And as we were going through this, we, we wondered, could we try to bring this to uh, LC3 as one of the main efforts for discipleship? And I asked the guys if they would help, and all of them raised their hands. And so in my presence, disciples making disciples. And last Monday, we had a, a, an orientation for every man a warrior, and by today, we've had 50 men commit to go through this study that starts tomorrow. Uh, praise, praise God. Starts tomorrow night at 6.30 or Tuesday morning at 6 o'clock, and there's still some space. It's a study that is a, maybe a higher level of commitment, and so think about that. And you would need to be around for six out of nine of the sessions. They'll break into small groups of four to nine men and go through the material, walking with God and Tyler Knack, our men's leader, says uh, ably called them God pods. So you can come join a God pod and learn about walking with God. If you'd like to know about that or if you want to sign up, just fill out a Connect card. Or we also have some other opportunities for growth. We'll have a Wednesday evening men's Bible study that Rob Leach is leading, the men's leadership class that's coming up on Thursdays, and we'll meet every other Thursday as well. So right before eyes, men committing... And of those 50 men, 10 have stepped up and said they would be small group facilitators of these God pods. So praise God for what he's doing. So step number two is I will connect with the relational environment at LC3. And Pastor Tome shared previously about all the different things that were going on at LC3 Church, of the different functions in the programs. And as you look at the slide of all of the ministries that are present, what you can think about these really is environments in which discipleship is to take place. Any one of those that you plug in and, and give a little bit and help and serve and support, you are engaging in the endeavor of discipleship. The process of becoming a disciple who makes disciples, doing it shoulder to shoulder, face to face, life to life in real authentic community. And finally, I will pray for persecuted disciples. Remember, Jesus' command was to make disciples of all nations, and as the gospel spreads and people come to faith in Christ, they do so in places where there is a great cost for their faith. Consider Afghanistan. Right now, they estimate there may be eight to 11,000 Christians in Afghanistan. 
And under the rule of the Taliban, a convert from Islam by Sharia law ought to be put to death. And so for these brave brothers and sisters to walk as disciples, they are putting their very lives at risk. And we ought to support them with our prayers and our concern. And they're just examples of many places throughout the world in which discipleship comes at a great cost. So as we think about what the importance of discipleship is, it's important to realize that often we can have mission creep, that we steer away from the thing that we were focused on. The big, hairy, audacious goal becomes a bunch of little insignificant things. And I want to share with you a story that John MacArthur shared with his church that illustrates the importance of staying on course. He says, On a dangerous sea coast where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a crude little life-saving station. The building was just a hut with one boat and a few devoted members who would constantly watch over the sea and rescue people and help them tirelessly. Many were saved by this wonderful life-saving station, so it became famous. And some of those were saved and various others in the surrounding area wanted to become associated with the station and give their time, money, and efforts to support its work. New boats were bought and crews were trained, and the little station grew. Some of the members of the life station were unhappy that the building was so crude and so poorly equipped. They, they felt the need to have a more comfortable space that provided refuge for those saved by the sea. So they replaced the emergency cots and beds and put better furniture and a larger building. And now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members. They decorated it beautifully and furnished it exquisitely because they used it as a sort of a club. Fewer members now were interested in going on sea on life-saving missions, so they hired lifeboat crews to do that work. They even put up a liturgical lifeboat in the room where the club initiations were held. At about that time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in loads of cold, wet, half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick, and the beautiful new club was considerably messed up. So the property committee had a shower house built outside so the victims could be cleaned up before they came inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership, and most of the members wanted to stop the life-saving activity because they were a hindrance and unpleasant to the normal social life of the club. Some members insisted on life-saving as their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still a life-saving station after all. They were finally voted down and told if they wanted to save the lives of various kinds of shipwrecked people in those waters, they could start their own life-saving stations, which they did. As the years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that occurred in the old. It evolved into a club, and another life-saving station was founded. History continued to repeat itself, and if you visit that coast today, you'll find several exclusive clubs along the shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent, but most people just drown. It's so easy for the church to lose sight of its purpose and its mission and its focus. So, brothers and sisters, let's commit to making and keeping LC a church that is a disciple-making church that makes disciples and is a life-saving station. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you gave us your one thing, and that is to make disciples. 
And so I pray by your spirit now, Lord, that you would speak to each and every person who is gathered here and online and make clear to them, Lord, what the next step is for them to become a disciple who makes disciples. We thank you for the mission and the purpose of the church and all that Jesus Christ calls us to do in this area. And so search our hearts, Lord, and help us to walk the walk that you are calling us to do. We ask this in Jesus' name.